You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. This episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by FredHeBakes.com. That's FredHeBakes.com. Folks, if you're looking to treat yourself to some delicious baked goods, head on over to FredHeBakes.com and use the coupon code NOLOVELOST to get 20% off of your order. And if you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, head on over to the Podcast Jukebox Network and get yourself some No Love Lost t-shirts and Crazy About Kurt t-shirts. Folks, apologies again for the inconsistent upload schedule. It has been a crazy summer so far, so we really appreciate your patience with these uploads. Uh, Soon, we'll be uploading episodes in which we're recording together and not apart, Uh, so that will be a nice change of pace. So thank you so much again for your patience. And uh, really quickly, if you have the time and if you are financially in a place to do so, creator of the No Love Lost theme, Michelle Cullen, who uh, performs it at the beginning of every episode, she and her partner Michael are going through a rough time right now. Um, and if you if you can, we would really appreciate a contribution to their GoFundMe. Again, don't feel obligated to give if you are not in a financial place to do so. Uh, It's been a very hard pandemic on everybody, so we completely understand if you're just not in a financial place to do so. Um, But if you could spread the word, that would also be great. Uh, I have provided a link uh, to their GoFundMe in the show notes. So thank you so, so much again for all of the help and support you give this podcast. We would really appreciate you giving her some help and support now, too. And on that note, Michelle, if you would be so kind... Let's go to the island I would like to see the polar bears There was a crash And there are others And there are numbers And it all means something Supposing anybody there know There are times we hang our heads In sadness we know There's no love lost We had to go back. Objection. Overruled. (laughs) Overruled. Damn it. You got me with your legal jargon. You crafty monster. Welcome back to No Love Lost, the podcast where we break down every moment of the legal drama that is a hit (laughs) legal drama that is ABC's Lost. Um, uh, I'm Will Lincoln with me as always. Megan Salinas and I abstain. <laughs> uh, and we are here to litigate season four, episode four, Eggtown. <laughs> Your honor, permission to treat Will Link as hostile? This is, I feel like this has gone on long enough. Yeah, no, I'm how... quickly, quickly <laughs> I... running out of my legal jargon. <laughs> Save some for the back half of the pod. There we go. Okay. Yeah, like when you hear me say habeas corpus, that will be like the, the limit of literally <laughs> every legal term I know. Um, This episode is written by... Elizabeth Sarnoff and Gregory Nations, and it is directed by Stephen Williams. All those names sound familiar. 
Um, yeah, Stephen Williams, the not Jack Bender, the Jack Bender was busy director of Lost. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. He's terrific, and he's no. ter- directed a lot no. of terrific television beyond Lost. Yeah, no, no, we're 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 making fun. We're we're teasing. Obviously, he's done a lot of great work. Because this is Stephen Williams has never listened to our show, but he he just saw like, oh, they're talking about Egg Town. I directed that. Let me listen. Oh. They're making fun of me. Oh no! And and then and then Will, we've gone and hurt that man's feelings, and that's just not right. And we need to apologize. So we're sorry. We're sorry. We're so sorry. Hey, let me tell you what. Uh, it's not say you know Kate's mother looking for an apology. It's not as big a deal as Oof. that. Woo. Uh, this is a Kate episode, and it is. You know, Kate is a character that, you know, we've talked about it a little bit, that, like, starting in season three, Kate started to feel a little rudderless on the show. A little Um, directionless, like they didn't quite know what to do with her. But she is also one of the uh, uh, Oceanic uh, Six. Mm -hmm. And we found that out at the end of... A season three, uh, when she steps out of the shadows and we get that very infamous line of, we have to go back, Kate. We have to go back. But this episode is a flash forward before all that, when her and Jack seem to be in a in a different place. Um, yeah, Jack hadn't grown his beard out yet. <laughs> he hadn't grown his depression beard. You know, what? Um, again, we have no room to judge. It's been quarantine for a long time. It's okay. Live your life, Jack. So this is the part where I think you should uh, say something, Megan. Do you want me to do that thing I do? That thing you do. Doing that thing you do. <laughs> we're getting, re- we're really loopy on this one. <laughs> yeah, I've only just started sipping my whiskey. I'm not even drunk yet. Um, but yes, uh, before we go any further, just as a heads up, if this happens to be your first episode of No Love Lost, hello, Stephen. <laughs> nice to have you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Uh, but if this is your first episode of No Love Lost, just as a heads up, we could potentially spoil everything in the series for you. Uh, discussions of how the show ended may come up, as will future plot points for sure, those will crop up in our discussions. So if you are looking to experience Lost, spoiler free, please, you have been warned. So let's start with the flash forward. Sounds good to me. And this really is like, this really could have been like the Lost legal drama. Like this could have really been stretched out, this court case. And I guess it's better that it isn't, but there is part of me that's like, is this trial too truncated on the show? Considering like we have spent three seasons building up like Kate's past and her crimes. I I think the answer to that is yes and no. Um, yeah, I'm I'm divi- I don't I say it, but I don't know if I believe it's true. I I think for what they're going for, um, dedicating one episode to it is sufficient. However, 
I think you're right. Like in terms of actually like dealing with the consequences of her actions, um, there are certainly moments throughout the this legal drama that are heart stoppingly tense um, and are really, really great catalysts for dramatic, like for some really interesting dramatic like elements, uh, especially because of the structure of this season in terms of incorporating the flash forwards as opposed to more flashbacks. Um, so there's there's a lot of interesting stuff going on and there's a lot of like high stakes things going on because like this trial is essentially everything Kate has feared about returning to society. Um, it's the reason why when she was initially trying to get off the island in season one, she stole someone's ID and was, you know, and, you know, <laughs> concocted this plan to poison, uh, to poison Jin, but instead Michael got poisoned. Like she, she concocted this Machiavellian scheme to try to get off the island in a way that would allow her to continue her life on the run. And, you know, it's her fear of the repercussions of returning to society has charged a number of her decisions. And this is finally, you know, paying the piper, so to speak. We, we finally get to see all of those, all of those things come to a head and like, there's some good stuff here. And it's juxtaposed nicely with her trying to figure out if she wants to stay on this island or not. If she wants to stay with Sawyer on the island. Yeah, uh, there's the good dramatic irony of her being on trial versus when we go back to the island and having people say, we could just stay here or you should really just stay here. Like, it, you would be better off. Um, so I, I agree. I think in some ways the trial could have been a larger element plot wise than it, than it is just being confined to a single episode. Like that could have been an ongoing story thing, but I, I get what they were going for though. Yeah. Same. Um, well, Kate is heading to court when we see her, uh, first in the flash forward. And, uh, you know, she's being, uh, she's like, her lawyer's like, no, we're going to walk right in the front door. And there are screaming protesters. Why are there protesters? Who's protesting her? I didn't, were they protesters? I thought it was just a media circus. Uh, there was some, like, guy screaming. <laughs> I mean, she is a murderer. So maybe it's just some Bible Belt guy who's like, women shouldn't do stuff. <laughs> some some Bible Belt guy who just thinks people shouldn't be murdered? No, specifically, who's <laughs> like, who takes offense at like a woman murdering people. I don't know, man. Well, here's the thing. And, and, and this is what's interesting. So she pleads not guilty. And, and they go down this laundry list of charges of which... She is guilty of every single one of them. Indeed, she is. She is. And it's, a, it's kind of amazing to have it all laid out on the table like that. I think that's what planted the seeds for me of like, oh, is this trial too neat? Because they remind you she did all of this shit. Now, yes, I she killed an abusive man trying to save her 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 mother, like. It is 
I don't even know. I don't know if I should say justifiable because it's it's not justifiable, but it's also not like there there's there's a re- there's reason behind it. It wasn't like it's not like she's some sociopath, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, and and we've touched on this a number of times during this show. Murder is not really justifiable, but there are certain situations where you know. It's an explanation, not an excuse, or there are certain situations where it's not so cut and dry. And because it's a television show, we can go, yeah, no, that shoot that guy. Why have you, why is Ben Linus still alive? You know, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as like a moral thing, that is, it's definitely a gray area <laughs> in terms of what Kate did. And at this point, Kate is a high-profile person, which her defense uses as a reason of why she's not a flight risk. But, uh, you know, she is... The, the DA's right. Like, she is the definition of a flight risk. She is always running. That's Kate's thing. How many times has she evaded justice? You know, we've seen at least four episodes where she's she's just outwitted the law, you know? So... Yeah, (laughs) I mean, she has the number of times on record she evaded the marshal um, are, I think, are all very, very notable things. She also robbed a bank. (laughs) 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 I'm thinking back on it. I'm like, she's done so many crimes. (laughs) The... The thing is, I, I I say all this, and again, this gets into the neatness of the trial, and something that on a different show, and you're right, Lost probably isn't a show for this because they're trying to do other things, but like the DA, the DA isn't like some villainous DA here. Like the DA's got legit reasons to be prosecuting this person. Like, you know, it's not like, you know, there, there's another version of this where it's like i'm getting railroaded by that da well no i mean you really did do all these things no i mean i don't view the da as a villainous person yeah yeah Uh, in, in some ways i think kate's actual defense lawyer actually might be worse <laughs> i mean he gets results but he actually might be if we're looking at like morality here he might be a worse person quote unquote well, than I don't okay I mean I don't think he's bad either that's what I think's kind of interesting they're both like just like doing a job normal people normal yeah people. exactly like I don't I, think I mean he... that's the whole thing about a courtroom drama is like like neither the defense or the prosecution necessarily has to be bad people for it to be an interesting fight, you know? Um, well, you know, we'll get more into the case as we go along, but basically her lawyer comes to her and's like, they want to give you 15 years. You'll get out in seven. And she says, no. Um, can I just say though, the moment she's handcuffed is genuinely chilling. Yeah. Like, um, because again, it's it's everything Kate's ever feared about coming home. Um, yeah, and and knowing what we what we also know just in terms of like meta stuff, like who she has waiting for her to come home, like it's also like, oh, you know, she has extra reason to be scared about the possibility of going away for for a very long time. So she's 
he basically says, look, the only way we're getting you off on this is if we make it about character. And the thing is, at this point, we don't really know what that means because we don't know what the public knows. We don't know anything about her homecoming. You know, um, we do know that she is not in jail because we know she gets off because we've seen her with Jack already. We've seen her in in the future when Jack's like, we need to go back. I mean, maybe that was the reason why they didn't want to prolong the court case. Be- because we know the Because conclusion. we ultimately know the outcome, maybe. Unless, like, she was on the run <laughs> at that point I mean, in that time. Could be, I mean, it's possible. <laughs> um, but then something crazy happens where she says that to get off, they're not using my son. Ba ba ba. Kate. That's new information. (laughs) Now I'm trying to think, because this is again another mystery they didn't they didn't stretch out. You know what I mean? Like they told us everything in this episode that her son is Aaron. We know that by the end of the episode. I'm trying to remember what I was thinking when I first saw this. Because I can't remember whether I was like oh, it's like, I wonder who her child is or if I thought it was Aaron because they give us some clues with the way her, she re, she acts with Aaron in this episode on the island. I have no idea what whatever year this was, 2008, Will thought of, of, of this. I, I can't remember whether I figured it out before the episode ended, but I'm certain that the reason they didn't stretch this mystery out beyond an episode, uh, or one, there's no reason to, but two, people would have definitely figured it out. Yeah, I think so. I think if they had let it linger for a week, um, everybody would have been like, oh, it's not actually her son. It's Aaron. Yeah, because um, we know I, she's not pregnant. Well, uh, uh, we'll get to that. I, uh, I remember... Not necessarily from the exact line, like, they're not using my son, but I remember um, watching this episode, and prior to the end and that reveal, I remember kind of sighing, um, because by this point in time in the show, I was really fatigued on the pregnancy plotline stuff. Um, Again, that's just... And and to an extent, I am still. Well, we'll, we'll <laughs> I, I've get, never we'll, liked it. There, there's some stuff I have to say about that when we get to the island. Yeah. Um, uh, but that being said, I think the structure of this episode um, is very tight and very neat and very I agree. well done. Um, so I, I you're going to hear me say this a lot in this episode. I want to separate my meta issues from how I feel about this individual episode. And I feel like that's a theme for a lot of our podcast. Well, that's your, that's your catchphrase. That's your famous catchphrase. (laughs) I want to separate my meta self. You, I mean, I want to remove my meta knowledge from the discussion regarding this individual episode. It rolls right off the tongue. Put it on a t-shirt. Um, I mean, we could. (laughs) (laughs) 
So call up the podcast jukebox network. We've got a new t-shirt idea. So uh, the fence decides to call Jack Shepard as a character witness. Dun 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 without telling Kate. And they don't tell Kate because Kate's going to object. And why is Kate going to object? Because Jack's going to go up there and perjure himself. Uh, (laughs) Like a lot. (laughs) Yeah. I had forgotten the full backstory that, and he comes in and he tells this whole story about how the marshal died in the crash, never spoke to the marshal. Only eight people survived. Kate took him to shore. Kate saved everyone's life. Basically, Kate was the character she was supposed to be uh, in the when if they had killed off the Jack character. Which is a fun nod and also makes me sad <laughs> because it could have been awesome. Um, I do want to point out um, that they they make note of how high profile a witness Jack is. Um they they mean like you know if you haven't watched TV or read a newspaper lately like you should know who Jack you sh- you should be aware of who Jack is. I will point out in a jury of your peers, like part of the process of selecting a jury is making sure the jury has no knowledge, like prior knowledge of the defendant <laughs> um, prior to the case because they don't want anybody coming in with preconceived notions of whether or not the person is guilty or innocent. So they would have had to actually get people who were unfamiliar with the oceanic sex. Which, (laughs) yeah. I mean, but it's also, I mean, I guess that's impossible. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, though. Would these people be that famous in reality? I say no. I mean, people would know who they are, but I don't think... Like, I mean... Like, people don't know who, like... Like, Will, are, can I can I add, add answer your question with another question? Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you mean, would people like this be famous now or this famous now or do you mean would they be that famous back in like 2008 2009 i think even 2008 2009 is pushing it but certainly today well wait a second which way are you going are you going that they'd be more famous today because they probably have more of an online presence where i'm going the opposite of they'd be less famous because we move on from a story so quickly in the news cycle See, I was leaning towards they would be more famous in 2008, 2009. Um, well, like linear television um, is still primarily how people were consuming media. Uh, and a story like this would, in fact, be all over the news. And that 24 hour news cycle, you know, it was it's still in full swing now. And it was definitely in full swing, you know, back in 2008, 2009. Here's what would happen. They would be famous for a few weeks and then people would forget about them. And then Hurley would show up on a new season of Dancing with the Stars and people would be like, oh, yeah, that guy. That's what would happen. That is exactly what would happen. Well, and also there'd be a bunch of stories about like 
Hurley causing a high-speed car chase in yeah, downtown Los and, okay, Angeles. Kate, and Kate's on trial for murder. Okay, so she'd be a big... <laughs> she's like your, like, Amanda Knox or something like that of this. Uh, of the. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, like, we've got Jack Shepard who would, um, you know, fall back into his role at... at the hospital that he works at and, you know, generally be viewed as a humanitarian and a hero, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. Hurley and Kate would be like, Oh, the press would be all over them because of this, this stuff is like salacious and definitely that like late two thousands, um, like salacious content of like, Ooh, we're gonna like that TMZ shit, you know? Um, but uh, someone I forget who else is it's Saeed and Son, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, those are the other two. You know, Saeed went back into obscurity uh and started committing <laughs> assassin <became> a, <laughs> Yeah, became a contract killer. <laughs> and started committing assassinations for one Benjamin Linus. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, uh like so like he he went back into obscurity to some degree um so that he could commit more crimes ironically <laughs> poor kate um that <laughs> seems unfair <laughs> uh, well well but then then son is off she also kind of falls back into obscurity to go do some corporate espionage shit and i can't wait to, <laughs> to find out what else she's doing so Jack gives this whole story that makes Kate seem like the most heroic person in the world. Not that Kate isn't heroic. She did a lot of good and helped a lot of people on that island. Like, I is mean, it- just like uh, any, like the best lies are the ones that have an element of truth in, in it. And the fact of the matter is she did help him that very first day. And she has helped uh, their entire group in numerous ways. So he's lying but he has the benefit of being able to fall back on truthful elements to really sell it. Um, but then Kate stops him. Like, it's gone too far for her. And the defense rests, but then the prosecution, uh, well, they don't rest. They're done with the witness. I guess that's different. But then the prosecution asks, Jack, do you love the defendant? And Jack says, not anymore. Oh, and the audience collectively goes, oh, I do want to ask, like, because um, we've said multiple times on this show, Jack is a terrible liar. Do yeah. you think he's selling the story? Because I think he's selling the story, like, actually pretty well. I think he's selling the story. He I must think... have gotten some practice in. <laughs> yeah, he spent, he, look, you he, he can't hang out with, with Sawyer and Kate and all these people and not pick up some lying ability. Um, so, well, Hurley hasn't. Uh, so. <laughs> you cannot trust that guy with a secret. <laughs> so the next time we see Kate, she's like going to be brought back to prison, but they've arranged for Kate's mom to come see her um and she asks her like and her mom's not doing well you know she's uh she's uh you know she's been sick she's dying 
Uh, and she says, is it true you're a hero? And then she tells Kate that she won't testify, but she wants to see her grandson. And Kate Ooh. says, no. Ooh. Yeah. That's cold. And yeah, this this whole scene is real rough. Um, kudos to both actors in this in this particular moment because I, I while I was watching it, I was like on the edge of my seat just going, Oh man, oh man, this is rough. <laughs> this is rough. Um and then uh uh but here's the thing. She doesn't testify. She doesn't let her see the grandson, but she also doesn't testify. The mom decides not to, which I think is the right thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to ask. The, well, she also says um, in the midst of their conversation uh, that everything changed when she thought Kate was dead. Yeah. Um, like, and, and I 100% buy that. Like, I buy that you know, thinking her daughter was gone absolutely changed her priorities. And she says herself that like the really good line, like um, the doctors have been telling me I have six months to live for the past four years. I, I have no idea how much time I have left. And like, just the idea of like, I don't want to waste it. Like, um, you know, I, I want a relationship with my daughter and my grandson. Like it's like, it's completely understandable why somebody who would have called out for help last time she saw Kate um, would do a complete 180 in those circumstances. Well, she decides not to testify. Uh, I think it's a little crazy that the prosecution's entire case apparently rested on her testifying. Uh, well, as as the as the prosecution or the defense pointed out, sorry, I'm not good with legal terms. As the defense pointed out, um, in private, uh, Kate confessed to her mom, and so they, I guess they they figured it was an easy win at that point. But yeah, they probably should have had more than just that. Like they probably should have relied on the evidence and the series of events that followed. <laughs> <laughs> the assault on a U.S. marshal, they didn't need the mom's testimony for that charge. But <laughs> they agree to give, and this is really tied up in a bow, they agree to give ten, 10 years probation, but she can't leave the state. And your trial for that bank robbery is next week. <laughs> yeah. Now, here's what's interesting, and I can't remember whether it's dealt with, in at the end of the show but kate is going to break this probation at a certain point <laughs> she absolutely is what are the odds that she would be in another plane crash to the same island <laughs> 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 Uh, um <laughs> yeah what because like okay let's put a pin in this for a moment because at the end of the show we don't know 
what the rest of Kate's life looks like after the man in black is defeated. We know she goes back home with Claire for the purpose of raising Aaron together. So I guess the implication is that she either broke her parole and dealt with the consequences of having broken her parole. And like if, if discovered or she kept that whole expedition on the DL and just she and Claire raised Aaron together again, just being very discreet about (laughs) who was related to who. And like, just, I, again, we don't, we don't know. We don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I guess those are the two options and and yeah kate doesn't suffer the legal consequences which where do you fall well do you think she totally got caught upon their return or do you think that she and claire just sort of like gingerly stepped back into (laughs) this into america and went nothing to see here nothing to see here i think that da is out for for blood when kate gets back (laughs) You didn't check in with your parole officer last week. Shit. <laughs> That's um, what I forgot. So she's cuts this deal. I take that deal. And she's um, leaving the courthouse. And Jack's waiting for her. And Jack basically says, like, like, uh. I, also, her lawyer being a wingman to Jack just. <laughs> interesting detail to throw in there (laughs) and jack's like like uh i I was uh, basically saying he was lying that he does love her and she's like you want to come by for a visit and then he's like nah i'm i'm good let's get coffee sometime (laughs) he doesn't say it like that but it's like He's got an issue with the kid, and she basically calls him out on it. Like, if you don't want to see the baby. As we just said, he is a terrible liar. Um, Because when it comes to a story he hasn't repeated and rehearsed a million times, he immediately folds like a deck of cards. He just goes, oh, I have to get back to the hospital. Yeah, hospital hospital that's where i work uh that's where i gotta go sorry i can't go see the kiddo yeah mm, sorry uh maybe next time but like we could we could date like that's a thing we could do but like i can't mm, no time to see the kid but like definitely time for a date so (laughs) he uh he doesn't go back she calls him on that Calls him out on that. And then she goes home. And we find her child, Aaron. Bum, 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 bum. Now, I I do, I do like... Now, I, I know we were just giving Jack crap for, for not being able to lie about his inability to, to visit the kiddo. Uh, I actually do like it because the, the episode spends the entire time leaning one direction to make you think that this is in fact Kate's son and who the father might actually be 
And instead, it presents you with a different scenario once we get the big reveal. And Jack's performance still makes sense. What I don't care for here is that I'm like, you're a terrible uncle, Jack. (laughs) Get it together. Yeah. (laughs) Like performance wise, Matthew Fox, absolutely perfect. And contextually, again, the writing makes sense. But come on, Jack, get it together. Be cool, Uncle Jack. Why is that so hard? So should we go to the island Let's shout. Unless, uh, was there anything about uh, the court case or about uh, Jack and Kate dynamic that you want to talk about? (laughs) I think we covered it. (laughs) I don't know. Do you you have any moments in particular where you're like, yay, I still ship them? Or you're like, Jack, you fucking idiot. (laughs) Hey, look, I never ship them. I never ship anyone with with Jack. (laughs) I want Jack to be alone and drunk and miserable. Oh, that's so mean. I I ship everyone with Sawyer. I want everyone with Sawyer. I love Sawyer. He's my guy. (laughs) Fair. And you you know who else my guy is? Lapidus? John Locke. Although Lapidus is good too. (laughs) John Locke. And John Locke is making breakfast. Uh, Yeah. Can, can I add, like, this is the only time we see eggs in this episode, right? Yeah, I, okay. I mean, is the eggs also has to do with, like, a female fertility thing, I guess? I guess? Because that was what it's, I was going to ask you. Why is this episode called Egg Town? It's the last two eggs at the, at the, at the barracks. It's the last two eggs. Is uh, that what you call men. the last two eggs in the carton? <laughs> You call it Egg Town. I don't. Do you? I don't know. Why is it called this? Forget it, Megan. It's Egg Town. Okay. Well, I'm not even going to lie. I almost, when I sent out the link to record this episode, I almost put that in the email. (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm so angry with myself. I'm so mad because I'm a person who relies on puns. Ugh. So I think it's like this weird egg thing at the beginning. I think it has to do with like, like female fertility. I think so too. And uh, I don't, like I said, I don't care for that in the larger scheme of things, but I mean, that's the big mystery of this episode is who's the father of Kate's kid. And then, the t- the big twist is oh it's not even Kate's kid <laughs> so I get it and I guess I we could, I guess again I'm trying to go back to when I first watched this but I guess we're also led to believe that she could possibly be pregnant because we don't know how far in the future the flash forwards are I mean they could be on that island another nine months for this series for all we know we don't know what's going on I mean. We have a general idea, given Aaron's age. He's he's a toddler. No, but, but I'm point, saying yeah. like, yeah, you like no, to no, believe right. that her child is like her child. Um. Well, anyway, Ben uh, Locke is bringing Ben breakfast, and Ben, of course, is doing his Ben thing, talking about yes, where Miles is being kept, and then he's um, uh. 
He's like, oh, John, you keep hitting dead ends. Like, I feel sorry for you. Can't find the cabin, can't find it. Like, and of course, rather predictably, this gets under Locke's skin. He leaves, smashes a plate. This, of course, makes Ben happy. He's gotten under Locke's skin. And we see Locke storming through, like, the the uh, little Dharma compound there. And Claire, like, eh, it's Locke. That's what, what's wrong with him? Eh, it's Locke. That's the way Locke Classic is. John. <laughs> Classic Locke, right? Am I right, everybody? I mean, to be fair, um, they have known him for a time now. <laughs> yeah. It, it is pretty much par for the course. <laughs> John Locke says a bunch, bunch of vague, kind of vaguely mystical shit. And then gets frustrated and throws kind of little temper tantrums and then goes back to being super wise and going back to saying vaguely mystical shit while being super competent. And then also goes away for a little bit and then gets frustrated <laughs> and throws a little tantrum. And so it's like, no, nah, no, nah, this this is par for the course. It's very easy to get under John Locke's uh, skin. Um. So we see Kate, though. I mean, she's having a grand old time. She's living with Claire, drinking coffee on the porch. Looks like a very nice little uh, homey kind of uh, atmosphere. I mean, it's uh, very quaint. I I, <laughs> I mean, I think everybody has a fun time with Claire, to be fair. And then, uh, you know, wacky next door neighbor uh, Sawyer shows up. <laughs> Uh, okay, we were talking about WandaVision prior to recording this episode, but no joke, yeah. I would watch a sitcom where Claire and Kate were roommates <laughs> living next to Hugo and Sawyer, who were also That would roommates. actually be pretty good. That would be I pretty would good. watch that version of Friends, right? Right? Oh my gosh, and Jack could be the Ross, and then Jack and Kate are Ross and Rachel. Uh, oh, Jack. I'm getting it. <laughs> Jack would totally be the Ross because Ross was always my least favorite friend. <laughs> and uh, would Sawyer be Joey then or would Sawyer be Chandler? I mean, we know he's not. Okay, we're doing some reality. fan casting. Yeah. <laughs> we're okay, doing let's, fan let's... casting right now. Okay, let, let's move on with this episode. <laughs> oh, so... I wanted to fan cast. <laughs> we'll do a special bonus episode where we fan cast. Uh, all the great sitcoms with the lost characters. Sounds great. Sounds great. Um, so anyway, Sawyer is basically like, Hey, Kate, move, move in, move in with me. And, Kate, and Kate's basically like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> So Kate really wants to talk to Miles. And we don't really know totally why at first. And she wants to talk to Miles. And she goes to Locke and said, hey, I want to talk to Miles. And Locke says, no. <laughs> and she's like, why not? And he's like, it's not a democracy. <laughs> uh, I don't then, run things the way Jack does. No, thank yeah. you. Hard pass. Please see yourself out. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Kate's like, well, I know how I could find Miles. 
and she Aww. sees Hurley bringing food somewhere, and she's like, "Hey, uh, I'll take that to Miles." And Hurley's like, "Great." Specifically, I, I, I... she says, "Locke wanted me to do it." <laughs> yeah, Locke wanted me to do it. Uh, poor Aww. sweet Hurley, who can be so smart but can also be so dumb. Um, Aww, wonderful Hugo, who's just out here trying oh, to he's do trusting. his part. He's, a tr- I mean, he's trusting this is his problem. And it shouldn't be a problem. The fact that he was able to sell a lie in the previous episode for as long as he did is actually pretty incredible. Um, and we're immediately reminded of how <laughs> out of his element he is in that regard with this moment right here. And it's just like, oh, oh, Hugo. And why he goes, why he has like a meltdown when they come back and they're forced to lie. Oh, poor Hugo. And he says, and, and, you know, he realizes he's been tricked by her once he says that he's in the boathouse. So Kate goes down to the boathouse and she says uh, to Miles, like, do you know who I am? And she's asking him a bunch of, of questions and miles is basically like i'll answer all your questions you got to do something for me i want one minute i want one minute with somebody and she's like with who and he's like like you know who and we know who it's benjamin linus bum, bum, bum. <laughs> a lot of bum, bum, bum moments in this episode so kate has to figure out a way now to get to Ben. And in a scene with Claire, we realize that Claire seems very well aware, like, yeah, yeah, he's keeping him under in a bunker under the house. Like, and also a moment here where Kate's not good with kids. But at this point, at this point, we know she has a kid, so you know, it's a little bit of uh uh I don't know what dramatic you irony. I almost said dramatic irony, but I wasn't sure if it actually qualified for that. But you're probably right. Um, yeah, it's dramatic irony because we, the audience, know something that she doesn't. Uh, yeah. But I do want to point out that, like, I don't know this. Not to say that every person has to have like an immediate affinity for children. And I certainly don't want to imply that like, oh, there's something wrong with a person who doesn't like love kids or anything like that. Cause there's a, there's a lot of bullshit about that these days, but I do want to point out that this moment in particular doesn't really super sit right with me. It doesn't with me either. Kate delivered that baby. She was the first person in the world to hold him before Claire. Like, and and when Claire was having a lot of anxiety about being able to raise the kid, Kate was the one insisting that it takes a village and we were all going to do it together with her. And so this moment, and Grant, I don't want to say that like something said in the heat of like a really super dramatic moment, like Claire giving birth, I don't want to say that like, oh, that that doesn't mean like that Kate should always be okay with every kid all the time. But this moment in particular feels a little manufactured for the sake of setting up 
the twist at the end of the episode. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so now we cut to the uh, back to the sitcom in which Sawyer and Hurley are roommates. And uh, <laughs> best show within this show. <laughs> and you know they're getting ready to settle in and watch a VHS copy of Xanadu. Uh, when Kate comes over. Adorable. Adorable, though. (laughs) Kate comes over and her and Sawyer decide to have some boxed wine together. And... Big 2020-2021 energy right there. Yeah. And (laughs) Sawyer's basically like, okay, I know you want to use me for something. Tell me what it is. And she's like, I want you to help me bust Ben out. Red flag. Immediate alarm bells should be going off in your brain right now, Sawyer. Do not let that man free. (laughs) Sawyer's going to do, you know, he's going to do whatever he can for Kate. But they come up with a plan. We don't see them come up with this plan, but it's actually really good. It's a much better plan than busting Ben out. (laughs) That's for sure. Yeah, it's actually really, it's actually really great. And I had forgotten some of this but basically Sawyer comes over to play a game of backgammon with Locke and Locke can never turn down a game of backgammon what with those pieces of dark versus light hint hint nudge nudge wink wink there is a nice moment here where Locke I think very genuinely asks like if Sawyer thinks that Locke knows like what he's doing. Like, do you know what I'm doing? Do do you think I know what I'm doing, basically? Yeah, I really liked this this bit. Um because obviously Sawyer has an ulterior motive, but like it's a it's an interesting moment of vulnerability from somebody who is establishing not a democracy, you know? <laughs> but I also think when Sawyer says that he doesn't know, but he knows he doesn't want to be on the beach there. I, I think that's true too. I think lawyer, uh, lawyer Sawyer does. <laughs> yeah. This is a courtroom drama. Like so much of this episode is a courtroom drama that like, it's hard not to look at everything in that context. So I, 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 I think Sawyer genuinely is like, thinks he's in the right place to be. I think so too. Whether he thinks Locke knows what he's doing or not is another story, but I think he thinks he's in the right place to be. Yeah, it's it's kind of immaterial, and um, I think it's interesting that he answers honestly in that regard. Um, and also, like, these two in particular don't really get a lot of one-on-one time together. I mean, the last time they spent a significant portion of time together was back in the episode The Brig, right? When... Yeah. <laughs> They Although it was, I mean, that's a, that's a significant time together. <laughs> um, but like, just generally speaking, outside of committing patricide, they really don't hang out all that much, do they? <laughs> no. Um, so Sawyer starts to bait Locke. And it's clear that he's baiting him because he starts talking about Kate and says she wants to bust Ben out. And because of like... Because of uh, what's going on with uh, Miles, she talked to Miles. So now Locke wants to get to the bottom of this. So uh, he immediately, very, 
Very telling, though, Sawyer makes him promise and give his word that he won't harm Kate before telling him all this. Which only intrigues Locke more, obviously. Um, yeah, you're right. It is very telling. And uh, they r- race to Miles, who's gone, because they pulled the old switcheroo. Kate wasn't going to try to bust been out she was gonna bust miles in excellent excellent bait and switch and then miles and ben are in the same room and she's like you got one minute and miles asked for some privacy but she's like you got 55 seconds she's like yeah no idiot that's not happening so miles basically is like to ben like you know who i am you know, who I work for. And he says, I won't tell you. I won't, I will, like, I won't tell them I found you. I'll tell them that you were dead if you give me $3.2 million. <laughs> and Ben rightly says, how arbitrary. <laughs> yes, yes. But there's a reason for the 3.2. Uh, that we'll get to in a future episode. Oh, really? I, yeah. I did I did think it was a little bit of an arbitrary number just based on pure mathematics on Miles' part. No, there's... there's he... th- oh, go ahead. There's a reason it's 3.2. I can't okay. quite remember the full details of that reason, though. I just... I just... I was thinking of it, like, because he, he distinctly says, pointing to Kate, don't treat me like I'm one of them. Like, I know who you are and what you're capable of. So in my mind, I was like, oh, okay, Miles just did the math and was like, that's how much Ben can afford to give me for keeping this secret. Oh, he also wants this in cash. <laughs> By the end of the week. Well, specifically... They they make that deal after Ben is like, uh, I'm a little limited in my current circumstances right now. Can that be amended? Which, excellent delivery on that, Michael Emerson. Just absolute gold. It's just crazy that he knows Ben's got $3.2 million in cash on the island that he can oh. get him within a week. Oh. But I mean, that's the implication when he says he wants it in cash. Because where else is he getting that money? <laughs> Ben's just going to trot off to the island ATM. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh. And then Kate starts to try to, they start to, they, they leave Ben there. And then Kate basically says to Miles, like, hey, what do you know about me? And he knows all about her and basically says you should stay on the island. Yep. Which, again, given the juxtaposition between this and what we've seen so far, he's not wrong. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Locke comes in, catches them, is none too pleased, and uh, basically also uh, Sawyer does a good job of, of pulling the old, oh my god, I'm, I was betrayed too. Oh, how could you do this to me, Kate? Wink, wink. But that <laughs> was, hurt. but that was a smart play. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. So a little later, just to get through this, a little later, Locke shows up at Claire's where Kate is staying, 
Claire really has the thankless best friend role in this episode. And, oh my gosh, uh, she really does. And Locke is basically like, what do they talk about? Uh, and she tells him, she tells him he wants $3.2 million. They're just like, huh, interesting. <laughs> Not what I thought they were going to talk about. <laughs> and yeah, and then Locke's like, huh, okay. And he almost has this like, good to know it's a good thing this happened look on his face but then he's like oh by the way you're banished you gotta leave tomorrow morning (laughs) yeah because i i think something that that again one of Locke's deep-seated insecurities is not being able to interpret the will of the islander or still being left not in the know of what the island wants him to do or what what like signs left by the island for him like what does it all mean etc etc so i think he it's kind of a relief that when this mystery regarding ben presents itself it's just straightforward extortion and he's just like oh like it's kind of a relief to know it had nothing to do with island magic you know yeah um so kate now then goes to sawyer you know in a moment of like I don't know, weakness, sadness. She goes to Sawyer and he says uh, uh, he will unbanish her. (laughs) I don't know if that's going to fly, man. (laughs) But it's sweet. But to put a button on this story line, the next morning she wakes up. It's alluded to that they, like, you know, might have had sex again. They did not. Then it's made clear they didn't. But Sawyer's trying to get some morning sex out of her. Um, and then uh, then they get into this talk about her being worried she's pregnant. Megan, was this storyline on your radar at all, Kate's pregnancy fears? Yes. It, it Like, at the time, it definitely was. And it was one of the main reasons why... I got really fatigued with the pregnancy storyline. And it's one of the reasons why even now I'm kind of like, why did this have to be a thing? Because it's, it ultimately amounts to very little. And it's just kind of manufactured drama for the sake of the love triangle stuff. Well, I think it's also manufactured just so we think that she might have had Sawyer's baby off the island. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That is absolutely what what they were going for. And I mean, that's what they wanted us to believe in that parking lot when Jack doesn't want to go see the baby. The the implication is that he doesn't want to visit her at home because she had Sawyer's child, not because that's his nephew and he left Claire on the island. Um, and he has to feel guilty about that, you know? Um, the, the implication is that they wanted us to believe that it was Sawyer's child. And so it's, like I said, it's in the context of this episode, a lot of the structuring and writing and everything like works really well, but the meta plot about pregnancy scares on this island, I think it's less than the sum of its parts because in individual episodes, it makes for great drama, but as an overarching story element, it's really lackluster and I find it 
frustrating and dumb. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel so mean when I say it like that. No, I, but I get it. I get it. Um, well, I, I mean, do you feel differently? Do you feel like this, this is good writing? Like this is no, good no, attention? Okay. I don't. It's, I, I think it's, and that's why I said like, was this a storyline? Like this was a storyline I had no investment in. Like is Kate pregnant? And I don't think anyone did. I don't think anyone was sitting around going like, is Kate pregnant? But maybe they were. I don't know. I don't remember from the, the, the start, but I, I certainly don't remember being invested in that. I don't remember that being a lost mystery I needed an answer to. I remember being exhausted by it. And I think it's one of the reasons why season four and season three um, get so muddled in my head all these years later, having not revisited the series until now. Um, I, I think I attribute a lot of the good stuff of season four to season three and a lot of the shortcomings of season three to season four. And I think that's part of why starting up this series was so disheartening. Starting up this season was so disheartening. Um, But I don't know. We'll see as time goes on. Well, I don't remember the love triangle playing that big a part in the season to begin with. Um, But... uh, But it's a holdover from the last season. Yeah, yeah. It's a holdover from, like, season one, if you really exactly. want to think about it. And by uh, by the start of season four, the will they, won't they, it's kind of gotten old, you know? So she decides to go back to the beach, and that's kind of where her island story ends. But there's one other moment in the Locke story that we got to get to in which he comes into Miles and is basically like, I didn't uh, really properly introduce myself. Here, bite down on this grenade. I'm going to take the pin out and talk to you for a little while. Shit. Uh, I mean, that (laughs) is fucked up. And Like, what the fuck, man? (laughs) And remember, John also says in that moment that he is responsible for the island. Like, he is responsible for the safety of the island. He has taken on this role as, like, steward of the island. Okay. As far as, like, characters deserving of a comeuppance or whatever, Miles isn't, like, the best guy around or anything like that. But he doesn't... He doesn't deserve to have a grenade shoved in his mouth. John, where were these interrogation tactics with Ben? Like, if you really want all the (laughs) answers about the island, why didn't you stick a grenade in Ben's mouth and leave him to just hang out until the next episode? Because we don't, we don't come back to this moment. Like, we like this is the last we see of miles in this episode this is messed up john Locke, you maniac (laughs) miles had that grenade in his mouth for like five episodes oh no Um, i hope no i don't i don't know i don't um there is one more storyline that we got to get to it's brief um we see sun and jin on the beach and they're talking about where to move once they leave the island. 
they're, they're looking at a map of America, looking at Albuquerque for a second. You don't want to go to Albuquerque. I know plenty of people from Albuquerque, and they would tell you not to go to Albuquerque. Nah, and um, don't take that left turn at Albuquerque either. Um, <laughs> and sorry, says, that's an old, that's an old ass joke. <laughs> I I got joke. the reference, the Looney Tunes. <laughs> um, but. Uh, son says she wants to go back to Korea. She wants to raise her kid in Seoul. So, you know. Um, and then Jack gets, and this is really the first time we had seen Sun and Jin. Really, I mean, we've seen them this season, but they haven't had much to do. Yeah, and and I do want to point out a, an interesting bit of dialogue. She says she wants to raise her baby at home, um, and. You know, her husband goes, you mean our baby? And then Jack comes back. And so they don't really get the opportunity to continue that discussion. And so it's they like, don't, yeah, they don't get to unpack that. And and again, I think this is a little bit of like we've are like this is a line I think that would make more sense prior to the realization that the baby is, in fact, Jins, you know like this would have been yeah. better last season prior to that revelation uh because here it also it just kind of seems like manufactured tension you know not that it amounts yeah. to anything specific in this episode i'm just saying like it it feels like a line put in there to be like oh like what's gonna happen with their relationship i don't know i feel it, it feels unnecessary um jack shows up back on the beach uh and everyone's like oh hey and he's like hey this is uh daniel faraday and and charlotte and you know <laughs> and we're so, hanging out with them now <laughs> but they're having trouble getting in touch with the freighter and then sun is talking to jack about this and they're like yeah, Saeed left a day ago. Why haven't they gotten to the... Why haven't we heard from the freighter? And Sun expresses the idea of, like, maybe Locke is right about these people. And Jack, of course, is like, no, Locke can't be right. Locke's, Locke's not allowed to be right about anything. <laughs> um, And then we got one more scene on the beach where... Charlotte is clearly testing Faraday's memory and he's not quite remembering things right. He can't remember three playing cards, what's on them. He can only remember two. And she thinks two, hey, you got two. And he's like, that's not good. This is um, heart-wrenching. Like just generally speaking, as like somebody who had, family members with dementia this is upsetting <laughs> but i i think it explains it goes a long way to explain um uh daniel faraday's eccentricity eccentricity what's the word eccentricity ah why can't i say it oh my god eccentricity ah damn it never mind you say the we word we know what you're trying to say his quirks 
Yes, it goes a long way to explain his quirks as a character prior to now. Excuse me, I'm going to hide under this table and die. <laughs> um, so, Jack's like, he goes up to Charlotte and he's like, you got to call this boat. There's got to be another number. She goes, well, there's one other number, but it's only for emergencies. And it's like, what do you think this is? So our friends are MIA. Please use the emergency number. And she calls the emergency number. And they're like, why are you calling on this number? And they're like, well, you know, Frank uh, brought people back to the, and they're like, we thought the helicopter was you was with you helicopter hasn't gotten to us yet bum 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 dun dun yeah a lot of lot of bum 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 moments in this episode that bum 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 will be dealt with on the next episode now which is by the way the next step the next episode of lost which is the greatest episode in television history the constant Yes. Okay, so I, I'm right in assuming that the reason why they haven't made it there yet is because of the time dilation stuff that was established in the previous episode, right? Yes, from what I remember, and my memory is about as good as Daniel Faraday's on this, yes, that's what it is. Okay, yeah, no, that's quarantine brain for you. I've, I've said numerous times that my brain is like an Etch-A-Sketch <laughs> during quarantine. Oh, it's yeah. just, it's here one second, gone the next. <sighs> so, Megan, I've got an important question for you. Go ahead. Uh, uh, <laughs> what is your Jacob? Not guilty. Not episode? guilty. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> not, yeah. I, I plead not guilty. How do you plead? That's that's my question. How did you plead? <laughs> not guilty. What's your Jacob for, sure. for this episode? My Jacob. Okay. Um You know me. I'm a suck like I'm a sucker for structure, like really interesting structure in an episode. And I I very much like the way this episode is structured in terms of the back and forth. Um that the dichotomy between Kate having to to deal with various dilemmas on the island and contemplate her future versus the very grim reality that is her future. I, I like that back and forth. I like the the planting and payoff. I and in some ways I even accept the love triangle in this episode. Um because I like the structuring of it, of her being on the island with Sawyer, but then off island, um, having the these moments with Jack. Like, I don't like the love triangle. I think that's fair to say. But like, in the context of this episode, I think it's handled really well. Not that I, again, not that I like it from a meta perspective, but I think individually speaking, dealing with this episode, like dealing with those macro plot elements on a micro scale, I think the structure of this episode is really sound and really interesting. Um, huh. So yeah, I'm going to go with episode structure. Like I, I like the back, I like the dynamic back and forth. This is a tremendously tough episode for me to pick a Jacob and a man in black because 
I think this is a very... Like, there's nothing I think that is so outrageously good and nothing I think is so outrageously bad. I'm going to go with, from my Jacob, a little bit of a thing that we didn't really get into too much. I'm going to go with Miles. I think he's kind of fun in this episode. I like him trying to extort Ben. I like seeing <laughs> this guy. Like, we're seeing, like, his his true colors kind of come out in this episode. We're, we're, I, I like the grenade in the mouth thing. Like, I think he does a good job with it. And because it's something we haven't gotten into too much, I'll give him my Jacob. Yeah, um, I mean, individually, there are so many great little moments in this episode. You could definitely give it to the um, Locke Sawyer moment. You could definitely give it to, to Miles, as you did. You could give it even to the individual moments of just Michael Emerson being sassy as hell. The- <laughs> the 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 lock moment you're right an individual moment the lock moment of doubt that he expresses honestly to Sawyer is 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 very good yeah um, that is uh like individually uh, uh, uh just absolutely perfect it's wonderful well, who's your man in black I uh, I don't like Kate slapping Sawyer when he gets kind of uppity with her oh. like. Like I said, I don't, it, from a structural standpoint, I like the back and forth, but ultimately at the end of the day, I hate, I hate, I hate the love triangle BS. Uh, If I had to give it to a particular individual moment, I'm torn between the moment she slaps Sawyer because I don't think he deserved it because he, he said a thing that was true, (laughs) even if he was kind of rude about it. But I'm torn between that moment and the moment where she's like, oh, no, I don't, kids, ooh, ah, uh, that's not a thing for me. Yeah, I think that scene's weak sauce. Yeah, I'm right there with you. So I'm, I'm you know what, as much as I dislike her slapping him for no reason, I'm going to give it to the, to the moment between her and Claire where she's like, ooh, kids, no. Because it's, it's just there to set up the the twist at the end of the episode rather than building off of the relationship that she and Claire actually have together. I think um I I I'm going to go for me and I've kind of said I think the trial is a little too neat. I mean, I don't think they should have turned uh Lost into like a season long courtroom drama like Lost isn't the undoing or whatever, but I think, I think they could have made a little bit more of a meal out of some of this stuff. It uh, could have been more it, consequential, consequential for sure. Um, Megan, where can the people find you? You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. Um, I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams where me and my co-host talk about horror things. And I'm a member of Rooster Team Radio where me and my co-host talk about Rooster Team related products. Uh, usually the animation stuff. Uh, at the moment, we are in the latter half of Volume 8 of Ruby and it is absolutely delightful and I can't wait for the next episode. I'm so excited. You can follow me on Twitter at the Real Will Link. And you can follow us on Twitter at No Love Lost Pod. Um, so 
Until next time, see you in another life, brother. Hey there, everybody. I'm Will Link of No Love Lost. With me as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk to you about the podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Uh, yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, and so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts, far, many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Uh <laughs> Uh, uh, Off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have The Queers Next Door, also on the network. Uh, Proud to be Kinky. Uh, Drinks with God. And a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean Podcast? Yeah. Will Hmm. he? I don't know. Spoiler alert. uh, Not as frequently as usual. (laughs) But you should definitely subscribe to all these shows. Rate them. Listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, These are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) It makes sense. We're on the same network. (laughs) So yes, rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us. Might as well give us a rating. (laughs) You're already there. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, guys.